You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 336th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando. Hi, this is Matt in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, where the weather is nice. It's not nice, but it's nice. Things have been a little terrain. Are you a dad? Over here. <laughs> wow. Terrible. Wow. Um, wow. Oh, thank you. Good work, Spencer. Good work. I was listening the other day to um, Cyclocross Radio, and I heard yet again Michael Bodenheimer over there making the world's worst jokes, and I thought, how hard could it be? And I think I've outdone him. So gauntlet yeah, thrown. Those were good. Let's see. Let's see if Cyclocross yeah. Radio can come up with something worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, much to discuss this week. Obviously, um, Matthew Vanderpool, Paris Nice, Torino, Adriatico. We've got some listener emails. Remember, you can always email us at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, questions, or concerns about the pod. And we have Milan San Remo as well. But gentlemen, naturally, let's talk about me. Um, (laughs) I did not uh, get too much bike race watching in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I went up to the old stomping grounds of Gainesville, Florida, stayed out at the old Ginny Springs campground, where there is zero phone coverage. And after crushing two days of gravel, jumping in the natural springs my only ability to upload the ride came after the fact. So it was like, I didn't ride for a couple hours that ate me alive. You guys know me in the internet, uh-huh. not having yeah. access definitely That's drove tough, me a man. little nuts. Yeah. Um, Sarah great. was back home with a uh, little Hymar and um, little Nairo uh-huh. hanging out, but I did some fantastic gravel riding and I just want to throw the gauntlet down right now. A lot of people talk about gravel, like it, like you need to be on hills. There's all the different types of riding. Mm-hmm. I will put the gravel roads of North Central Florida up against anything in this country. And the fact that Ginny Springs is a world-class scuba diving natural springs. So awesome that Nestle just won the right to pump out like 3 million gallons a day for bottled water. You know, um, it's great. you know it's good of a multinational company like <laughs> Nestle is willing to exploit that natural resource. It's got to be good. You can check out my Instagram. I got some photos at the Super Rookie, but I'll put them up over on the Slow Ride Pod. The gravel is fantastic. I hope at some point some people get to come down here and come see the awesomeness, mm-hmm. and I hope you guys come join me. I actually got bike riding in today. I'm looking at our numbers right now live on the oh, podcast dots podcaststats.com um podcastresults.com um yeah and our kansas numbers are plummeting right now they are just falling through the uh it's i don't know what's going on i'm okay with that did we say something 
I may I mention I something? I don't know if I've mentioned this in a really long time. Probably in episode three, I mentioned this. T- Tim's right. I've ridden some of these roads with Tim. They're beautiful. They're really nice. But in northeastern Florida is the only place where, on a gravel road, I saw three dogs doing it and one dog watching. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to say, you don't yeah. uh, you don't yeah. get that on a lot of gravel rides. And like the gravel is good, and you're, the sights. I mean, you don't need hills when you got stuff like that. Yeah. No. No. It was. Anyway, so the point of the, the the moral of the story, I hope people come join me, Doc Hollywood, all these other events, check mm-hmm. it out. But I didn't get to watch some racing. Oh, Timmy. So I guess you guys are going to have to think of me as the fifth grader in the room here That's, and tell me yeah. what I missed. It's, it's going to be a stretch. Little, yeah. little guy, historically, little guy, you always say about how awesome Paris Nice is. I think... In the seven years we've been doing this podcast now, almost eight years, <laughs> yeah, you are always going on about how the Sundays at Paris Nice are it, some of the best riding. It never disappoints. Yes, that's true. I know Torino's been throwing down hard this year, trying to win my love. But yes, Par- Paris Nice always the last day is always out of control, total mayhem. Mm-hmm. Today on the final day did not disappoint. It did disappoint if you are a huge Primoz Roglic fan. Roglic crashing a couple times, losing a bunch of time, and Shockman winning for the second year in a row. So even though the stage had been altered because they couldn't finish in Nice for the second year in a row, it's still they actually ran the final stage this year like they didn't run the final stage last year. So crazy stage, Roglic. Lost a bunch of time, lost a ton of skin. I think he dislocated a shoulder, so not good, but he finished. It was amazing. It it's never it's always the craziest day of racing of the year. Yeah. So looking at the results here, I see that um Schnack Schnackman won over Vlasov and Izagir. Yeah. Um cool. How far down was Roglic? After the crash, I saw 15th. like some pictures of him. I think he plummeted like fifteenth on GC. Okay, he's, he's way down. I mean, he got he crashed once and then he crashed later and he ran out of rider. I mean, it was it was heartbreak city. As Pat Lemieux famously said to us one time, he said it was bad news bears when he got caught and lost. Can you give me like an update at all about how friend of the pod Michael Matthews did? I see that he got podium one stage. Yeah, that was anything. No, nothing. Okay, so nothing. Does fourth place in the um, points competition count for anything? Because Bling did get that, and he has Uh, two third places. It looks like first race of the year for 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 Mister Bling. He, you know, he's building form. Mm -hmm. Well, and the reason I ask is because roll at Milan San Remo around the corner. Mm -hmm. Michael Matthews currently twenty five to one. Yeah. Pretty good odds on roller derby. Yeah. Maybe yeah. worth the flyer. Just kind of checking. Well, let's but, wait till we talk anyway. about what happened has been happening at Torino. Okay. And you may not want to bet on Michael Matthews after you hear about what's happening at Torino. Okay. But I wanted to say about Perry Nice is that it's once the second year in a row that Shockman won, which is, mm-hmm. you know, not, I'm not taking anything away from this, but one last year. He won, and they didn't have the last day. So he was leading into the last day. <laughs> he didn't have that uh-huh. last day craziness where he would have had something like today happen to him. Today, uh-huh. th- this year, the last day happened, but it's altered. 
and he comes in in second place, which means basically means you're going to win. Like Roglic was insanely strong in this race. It didn't seem like anyone could beat him. He won three stages. Um, so I'm not taking anything away from Shockman, but he has been lucky that he has had two kind of weird Perry nieces. Because last year he would have got ambushed on that last day by Tease Benut somehow or something, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying. So anyway. But he had a great tour last time. No, I mean, he's 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 great racer. It's just weird that he's won two in a yeah. row with two altered final stages it's, and he's had it flip uh, he's had the two different versions of of getting something weird out of the the last stage. I mean, he I think his quote was something he you know, I he, I wish I hadn't won it. I wish I'd won in a different way. So I don't think he's necessarily super excited about this weird winning because Roglic falls, but Oh, did you hear that? It's hot take corner with Tim. Uh-oh. Um Schnackman is the most important and best rider on Bora Hansgrohe. Wow, man, Sagan gets uh, COVID and you just start coming for him, kicking him while he's down. What about Emmanuel no, I Bookman? Think the last... I thought you were all about all in on Bookman a couple years ago too. Nope. One Sorry, bad season the take and... has been the take. The take has been laid down. Can't can't back out. You know the ingredients right. have been put in the oven, and that's the pie that you're going to get is the Snackman sandwich. Um, Interesting, I'd... Tim, because I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember mm-hmm. this, but Daniel Oss is on Bora Hansgrohe. Not as important. I. Really? I just think like if if I was gonna do, if I was gonna right now do a um, like a trade like if I the trade values uh-huh. right like like who on this team could get the most in return? Yeah, mm-hmm. hands down, Schnackman. Yeah, really? thirty five years old, just just coming into his prime. Uh huh. This this could be it. <laughs> I'm he he's a hot commodity. I'll give you that. I'm, I might think. Okay, Emmanuel... he's not he's not thirty five. He's not thirty five by the way. He's twenty seven. No. Just... Emmanuel Buckman might have something to say about that, but I digress. So who would you take over? You would take Bookman? I mean uh, I mean Shotgun certainly brings in more consistency. I don't I haven't really given much thought to who I would rank the greatest rider on that team, I <laughs> gotta admit. I mean, it could also be Wilco <laughs> Kelderman. <laughs> oh, I uh, forgot Kelderman went there. Oh man. I just I just I think uh, the Sagan the Sagan years are past. It um, oh. I could be wrong. I have been I have been known to be wrong in my pro cycling fandom many times before. I'm just, yeah. they just might throwing be. that out there. They might be. I mean, he had a bad season. You get COVID. It, it's not a good mix, especially when you see it, who's who's winning. This right is now not a knock on the COVID. This, it, like no. last season was not a good season either. I mean, no, no, I know. Let's I'm be s- honest. No, it's true, and I'm just saying that. Yeah, his his best years might be behind him. Yeah, I just think that Schnackman is the uh, the most important rider on Team Bora Hansgrohe. Um, I'll just, you know, do you agree or disagree? That's fine. I just wanted to throw that one out there. But let me go into last stage of Paris-Nice. Okay. Power rankings for best named professional rider. Okay. I would put, Magne- I would put Magnus Court Nielsen at near the top of that list. That's an amazing name. It's got the right amount of syllables, right amount of, you know, just Magnus, great name, Court, amazing, and then Nielsen at the end. I just rolls off the tongue, love it, and topping it all off, his official Education First team photo, mm-hmm. like where the, the caps, like the rider card, uh-huh. he's the only one on the team. He's like zipping up the jersey for the photo. Very casual, looks amazing right now on pro cycling stats that you see that that's the win, and you're like, wow, 
And then you go to the team, look to see if anybody else is doing goofy photos. You know, you'd expect maybe to see a Taylor Finney doing something goofy. Not on the team anymore, obviously, but... <laughs> You know, like he would be the one like, oh, you know, Taylor, Taylor Finney's wearing a tie or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, uh. Ma- Magnus Court coming in looking good. Amazing. Little character. Great name. Love it. Mm-hmm. Feel uh, sorry yeah. for the 20, 30 other riders on the EF team right now because that you couldn't pull one of their names out. But you, <laughs> you can only yeah, think of Taylor rough. Finney. <laughs> Ouch, man. Hurts. Hurts. No, no, no. I'm so, no, guys. I'm sorry. No, no. The, the, just to backtrack, <laughs> what I was getting at here uh-huh. was that if Taylor Finney was still on the team, okay, okay. I would assume he would get the slot of getting to be a little goofy in the photo. Like his photo would be a little bit different. Yeah, would be like I, my yeah, hands down favorite because that's so, his personality. He's an artist. That's Tim, true. The I rest of them are straightforward. You've got this EF page on Pro Cycling Stats pulled up mm-hmm. still, right? With all yep. the headshots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I would like to ask your opinion. Does it look like at least three quarters or maybe 90% even of these, the heads are just Photoshopped on the same body? It does. There's definitely, I, I, I actively encourage everybody to go do that. (laughs) That, um, I think you may be onto something here. I think, Uh, I think, uh, Magnus court might be the only one who has a real photo. Is that the Easter egg that we've been looking for? Yeah. Do yeah. we win some? That's somebody good. get Vodders on the horn and ask him if we won the prize. Nielsen yeah. uh, Paulus is is definitely that's not that's not real. There's no way. <laughs> that's not real. I like how Mitch Mitch kind of looks like he's got a little windblown look. Like they got the fan out a little bit. Get the oh, hair yeah. a little tossed. Mitch looks it look, good. It looks good. It looks good. I also love that, and we're doing a lot of visuals here on the podcast, but Michael Volgren looks like he's nine years old, and I love it. He looks so excited for the first day of school. I'm so I'm so pumped for him. He got his photo on the the school book. Yeah, yeah. So I, anyway, I, I like Bulgarian. I hope he has a good season. P- Paris Nice did not disappoint. Keeps the slow ride trope alive of watching the Sunday of Paris Nice. Yeah, <laughs> always do it. Then, why should I go back and watch Torino Adriatico? Because when I left, yeah, this race, I saw Matthew Vanderpool. I did see Matthew Vanderpool win a sprint over Ala Philippe and Wout Van Aert, and he did arguably my favorite victory celebration of all time by Matthew Vanderpool of just crossing his <laughs> arms like, can someone please try to beat me? Yeah. Um, and then when he didn't win a, like a day before, it was because he was leading out a teammate, and then mm-hmm. which was fantastic. People kind of forgot about him, and then he's like, or they're like, oh, does he have what it takes? I'm sure some journalists were like, Oh, maybe he should stop racing cyclocross because we've already reached peak <laughs> Matthew Vanderpool. It's coming downhill. Because yeah. um, the amount of people discovering um, Matthew Vanderpool, we've gotten quite a few emails and then also text messages from listeners that are like, hey, you guys have been on the Matthew Vanderpool train since the very beginning. Um, so far that I created a club to cheer against Matthew Vanderpool, mm-hmm. uh, but now I'm fully back on the Matthew Vanderpool train <laughs> that. To the point that, that, you know, GCN announcers practically are treating him like, oh, he could now be the the greatest cyclist of all time. Like, they're finally just getting to that point. When mm-hmm. I feel like we've been saying this for a while, that this, people don't understand how good Matthew Vanderpool is. And now the eyes may be opening. Yes. I think so. He's, he's, he could be, this could be peak Vanderpool right now, though, too. 
He's so good right now. This could be peak, peak. I mean, he could even fall down for a little bit the next few years and still dominate how good he is So at this moment. Let, before we talk about what happened today, because I saw the results, let oh. me just ask, when else has there been a rider that is in the collective zeitgeist of cycling fans the way Matthew Vanderpool is? I would say Tom Boonen. Yeah. At one point, Tom Boonen was the jam when he had that like Flanders Roubaix. Yeah. Did he double one year? Oh, five, did, right? oh, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I feel like everyone was on to Boonen. Mm-hmm. I feel, I know Spencer, you're just probably going to just leave the room when I say this, this guy. I feel like Ricardo Rico at one point no, was kind absolutely of. Absolutely not. No, but I feel people were talking about it. I, I cannot feel people believe. Were like, I cannot believe. No, I'm cutting you off. I cannot believe no. you put Ricardo Rico on this podcast again in the year 2021. <laughs> this has got to be like the fifth or sixth episode you've mentioned. Yeah. I cannot allow this sixth? any longer. This is like we, 20 we or 30. Make, we make money every time we mention in, Spencer. I don't know if we, we told in you, but me and Tim got a little thing Tim. going. We got a little little side. So I just I, I feel no, that there was no, a time when everyone was talking about it. You're still cut off. You're done. You're done. <laughs> okay. You said the words Ricardo Rico before you said the words Peter Sagan, who was a three-time world yeah, champion. Yeah, Sagan is the next one to mention. In a row. Yeah, yeah, Sagan. Okay, Sagan. Good okay, yeah. for sure. God. Yeah, yeah. No, very true. Uh, I'll give you the Sagan, but. Well, thank you. Rico did. Rico did have like a week when he was the the, a week, the king of the scene. But but <laughs> nobody definitely Sagan. Maybe even Bettini for a little while there had a little patch that was roughly this level okay. of just you yeah. kind of expected just, him on any about, terrain. What what about David Rebelin when he won the week no. when he swept the Ardennes? And even then it wasn't no? it was okay. that was an amazing week, Tim, but it was not it was not Okay. This. It, so at Zeitgeist level, we've got Boonen and Sagan. We're going to agree to that. Anybody else that was, I mean, obviously, like outside of Lance. I mean, Mercs. Like I mean, we, we got to go back to like Mercs. No, we're we're talking, yeah. sl- you know, before BSRP, before Slow Ride Podcast. No. Okay. Right? Okay. Like, that's 2004. 2003. Like, we don't. 2003, we, 2003. Okay. We don't talk anything before 2003. That's just like assumed that there's greatness that happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Since uh, 2003, who's like taken over? Boonin, Sagan. Yeah. Those would be the big ones. I mean, maybe Cav when it came to the sprints for a while. Yeah. But I still don't. Cav, I, I think Boonin and Sagan, they're not obviously climbers. Cancelera? Or anything, but, but they're kind of. Cancelera yeah. could be one. Yeah, yeah. Cancelera, there was a moment in the classics. There's a couple years there where every time you kind of so, thought Cancelera would just ride away. So. What I'm getting at is that there's a genuine, palpable excitement of Matthew Vanderpool racing across the spectrum. At this Al- point... Almost equal to that of Ricardo Rico. Almost. <laughs> so I mean, there's almost the so same we have, level for Wout, though, currently. And that's I think that's what makes it so th- crazy is the... That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, like, then you have Wout and maybe Alaphilippe, kind yeah. of, like... Like I feel that Alaphilippe was maybe picking up some of the specialized bandwagon of of Sagan, right? Like, because specialized has a lot of like that cult like following, where they're <laughs> the people that are really into specialized, yeah. they really get into them, and then you're like, oh, we need to have a replacement. But mm-hmm. I do genuine like Wout, I would say is there. So now, if you're gonna go across the board, and where I want to take this is Matthew Vanderbilt has to be 
the most valuable commodity to any team, sponsor, anything in cycling right now. Uh-huh. He is the most valuable and the highest on the trade rankings, right? Yeah, probably. Sure. Well, it's pretty close, though, I'd say. Would you, Okay, so you're going to... Even though Matthew Vanderpool easily dusts Wout Van Hart in cyclocross, Wout Van Hart doesn't even go to mountain biking, and Matthew Vanderpool apparently can either ride away from him 50k out or beat him in a sprint. <laughs> Today, you'd you could. still put Wout up there. Yeah, well, I mean, when you're thinking about just marketability and stuff, I, I don't think mountain biking really counts for anything in many sponsors' eyes. You know, other out of very specialized mountain bike specific sponsors, mountain biking doesn't have like a a, a crossover appeal in a way that other things do. So yes, mm. that's what I would say. Okay, because but, ultimately, if we were going to create a team. As much as, you know, you may want someone that you like better, like Matthew Vanderpool has to be number one pick, right? If yeah. you could just start any team. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because he oh, can win sure. practically anything. I'm Practic- sure we're going to get the conversation of if he can win the GC. But well, which he can't. Which he can't. I mean, and <laughs> I let's, yeah. let's, well, let's and say Wout then can. like, yeah, Wout is currently second on GC at Torino. So that's the you know? question. So, yes, Matthew went on the 50K solo raid today, but he also... Not, I mean, not, this doesn't take anything away from me. He saved the legs yesterday on stage what four when Wout had to go deep to right, follow well. like Bernal and Pogacar on climbs. You know, so, yeah, you know, ap- it's apples and oranges in a way. They're they're both, one's the most delicious apple and the other one's the most <laughs> delicious <laughs> orange. Uh-huh. I, I think, here's the thing. Wout and Matthew are extremely similar in that they can both be cyclocross world champions. They can both be Flanders or Roubaix or Milan San Remo champions. They can like both be Strata champions, all these things. They could probably both be world champions on the road. Um, Matthew could be world champion on the mountain bike. I don't think Wout can. Wout can win a time trial and I don't think Matthew can, you know? Um, so who, who de- I guess it depends to? if you're building a world tour road team and you're valuing. I, it de- depends on what you're valuing, I guess. Um, well, your sponsors, Oscar Meyer wieners. My sponsor is Oscar Meyer wieners and we want panache. Obviously we want the flavor. Mm-hmm. So we're going Matthew Vanderpool. But if my, if my sponsorship was quick step and I just wanted results and that's all that mattered. And I wanted to win as many races as possible. I think I might go out because he's just going to be more consistent, you know? Huh. Okay. I'm just curious. Yeah. I'll, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I mean, what I is just the, think uh, that, what is that? What yeah. is it? The Pearson's nut roll team? What are, what are you taking? <laughs> Matthew Vanderpool, any day of the week, he can sell, sell the candies. Um, you know, tell the story. Although Wout is very, beautiful with the frosted tips um i don't think that the frosted tips get enough credit in my rankings of riders um wout's hair is is pretty spot on um matthew vanderpool has to be ridiculously valuable to canyon right so he's just the way that Sagan has um specialized i think that there's there's kind of that he's always going to have that sponsorship and canyon's not going to let that get away 
And that's why they probably don't care if he goes and does the mountain bike racing. Um, Again, I I do get excited for the jet, the the near annual trope at this point of is Matthew Vanderpool and Wout Van Aert ruining their road careers by, you know, doing cyclocross or doing these other adventures. And it's only going to reach peak. It's going to be peak boiling point when Matthew Vanderpool leaves the tour early. To go yeah. get ready for the Olympics. I mean, like that's maybe. a whole, whole nother level. What, <laughs> like people are going to he... be like, can't believe he's leaving. But currently at the current rate, when those two guys finish first and second in every classic this spring, I mean, really, what can you say? You really can't criticize anything with the way both of them are riding right now. I just, it just feels like it all had, all that criticism has to be over. Like they obviously know so, more about themselves and know more about what's a good schedule than yeah. anyone. So was Matthew Vanderpool's raid today? Yeah. 52 kilometers out. Mm-hmm. Epic finish. 10 mm-hmm. seconds over Pogacar. Yeah. Where does that rate on like a Vanderpool, like showing off what Vanderpool can do? It's like how does there. this rank? Like is this better than a sprint where oh. he dominates and crosses his arms across the finish? I think so, but you know, I always think that I like a long raid. It's it's positively Sagan-esque, <laughs> where he was a marked man. He always complained about, "Hey, I'm marked out of the sprints. That's why I'm not winning. Everybody wants my wheel, whatever." Mm-hmm. And so he started going on long breaks from way too early to lose all those other dudes. And Matthew probably feels the same way, even though he can still win those sprints when he's marked. Um, and I just I think it's pretty funny. Um, we're seeing That's the great. next coming of Peter Sagan, I think, here in <laughs> Matthew Vanderpool. Yeah. Um but you know, we'll have to see if he can win more than three world championships to dethrone uh the most recent Eddie Merckx, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, coming up soon if he can win his second Flanders or something, you know, then he'll already have mm-hmm. a different so, a different feather. Let me ask a question. This may again, this might be going ricardo rico level but i didn't watch today i didn't watch today 52 kilometers yeah Uh the when i think of breakaways amazing Mm. breakaways that people are like it's not gonna work and then they win naturally i go to stage 17 of the Uh 2006 tour de france Uh Mm -hmm. yeah floyd landis Uh drinking lots of water amazing Phil Leggett, not going to happen. He wins it. Gets back into yellow. Uh-huh. Was it better than that breakaway? Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to drink as much water. It was raining and cold. So <laughs> that was good. I think it was uh, just the way he barged off the front was a, a, a show of force. Like, already on the front, just took it to everybody. And just sort of like he was like, whatever. I'm just going to ride super hard. If one of you follows, that's cool. If 15 of you follow, that's cool. It was yeah. it was impressive. He cracked pretty hard at the end, too. <laughs> Let's not... Well, I saw that, the... Um, I don't it. remember who said it now, but somewhere on my social media, somebody made the point that, like, Matthew can make those watts to make that separation and then go back to his FTP for 50 you know, miles or whatever <laughs> and yeah. just hang out there like after he's already ground you into dust and it's incredible. So I don't know. 
I don't know if they so, had a choice. <laughs> you know, yeah, I had a f- I had a friend I was riding with last week um, on uh, my vacation. I was I was riding with him, and he had told me that his thought on why Wout and Matthew Vanderpool are so much better than these roadies is that because they're used to going all out for that hour of a cyclocross race, like going to depths mm-hmm. that a lot of these roadies have never had to go to before mm-hmm. because over a stage race, right? Like you're never going to go all out because you still need to stay with the Peloton or you get dropped and you finish outside the time limit mm-hmm. that the thought was, you know, these guys are used to going to absolute crush themselves for 60 minutes, mm-hmm. leaving it all out there. And if, if they, if they pop off, you know, or if they, um, you know, bonk, they lose big time. And instantly, and I, I started agreeing with it because I, I started thinking of Matthew Vanderpool at the Yorkshire Worlds, right? Yeah. Bridges all across in. to the group, went all in, and then one attack, and see you later. Like, mm-hmm. he just, he was popped, and everyone's like, bah, knew he couldn't do it, shouldn't be racing cyclocross. <laughs> and uh, I just... Nothing. Yeah, I think it's true. And these guys are just next level. Well, it's the... Co- I, I don't mean... Obviously, I think people have said this, but it's that combo of going that deep, but with with that snap. You know what I mean? There's 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 mm-hmm. there's TT guys who can go super deep for an hour or whatever, but it's going that deep, but with being able to accelerate and and do those sort of quick accelerations. That is the combo that's that's killing all so, these roadies, man. You don't do, you don't often so, do like a lot of them don't. How often you don't train all that many hours, which is like sprint on. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, sprint for ten seconds, hit that FTP for twenty seconds, sprint for twenty, and do that for an hour. Like, there's no way to make yourself do that in training. That's the mo- that's the worst thing ever in training. So we've had Matthew Vanderpool come over, Wout Van Art, now Tom Pitcock. Jury might be out on like how good he's gonna do in the road, just because the the sample size is small. But what we've seen, pretty amazing from yeah. Tom Pitcock coming over, right? And then. You've had Stybar. He's had a successful road career, not maybe where we'd want him to be, but he's a he's a serviceable he's member been, of been the Wolfpack. It's, it's been, been pretty, pretty good. good. I think we're grading on a pretty to, steep yeah. curve currently so, with these two I mean, he, once in a he lifetime. Should have, yeah, he should have a pair of Roubaix to his name, uh, if yeah, not for the photographer. Close. Yeah, and we have we have a Lars Lars Boom. Yeah, he's all right. Net, but and then. Sven didn't really cross over as well. Has anybody else come over that I'm missing? And then obviously on the women's side, you know, let's be perfectly all blunt. There's some Everybody. all of them. Like it, yeah. it's just next level. <laughs> Every single PFP. one of them that's good. Yeah, yeah. it's just fantastic. Yes. It's totally not. Yeah, it has not worked the same on the men's side. So is there anybody else coming up now that Pidcock's crossed over? I'm sure Evie Richards is just going to dominate the women's side eventually. Mm-hmm. Um because she's doing mountain biking, right? Eventually, Evie will go to road. Um, I'm I'm sure I can listen to Cyclocross Radio to hear more. But is there anybody else? Tune Arts, like, does anybody else have the I mean, pedigree to come up and to I, dominate? I think I think your next best bet is Tim Merlier, who gets let out by a little known uh, roadie, <laughs> Matthew yeah. Vanderpool. Tim Merlier <laughs> has not done too bad for himself. Even Johnny Vermeersh, who I kind of thought yeah. when they threw him into the road team, I was like, oh man, Johnny. Johnny's going to get his butt handed to him. He's like ninth or 10th in the cross races. He's been Uh 
a stellar teammate for Vanderpool. Like, way yeah. deeper than I thought he was going to be able to go on these road races. And yeah, Merlier's been, Merlier's been, I'd say, all awesome. right, Belgian champion. Yeah. Won a I few races. He's okay. I mean, <laughs> him and Vanderpool both having decent years for being on a non top tier team. Non, you know? Yeah, non top yeah. tier. Just it's so wasting amazing. their winter riding cyclocross. Ugh. Terrible. Torino's been good. Parisney's great. We're all getting ready for Milan San Remo. So that means we need to go check in with our 25 to 1 favorite. Bling Matthews on the pre-mod. I'm Joe Dombrowski from Cannondale Drop Pack, and you're listening to the Slow Rod Podcast. All right, guys. Here we are in the pre-mod lap. We have a couple things to discuss, but mostly... The Wide Angle Podium Network, head over to WideAnglePodium.com, check out the bevy of shows on there. If you want to donate, become a member, it's great, it's awesome, it helps us keep the show on the air. We love any support you have. Cyclocross Radio, we have Nowhere Fast, we have Criterium Nation, which little guy, I heard you're going to be making an appearance on the Criterium Nation. I will. I re- we recorded it a couple nights ago, uh, Michael from the Media Pits on it too. We talk about, well, a lot of stuff, but uh, kind of food-focused. So if you want to hear me yap about food with those guys, it was a lot. It was a ton of fun. I'm excited. To yeah. I'm excited to get the get the raw treatment, too. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, oh, he's going to make you sound like a million bucks. That's, that's what I'm excited about. I'm also yeah. a little scared because yeah. then you might come back over here and be like, why does Matt sound so bad? And it'll be my own fault. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, oh boy! And then, as a reminder, if you are a member of uh, Wide Angle Podium Network, you also get 500 bonus points over at Roller Derby, which is just kicking into full gear. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But head over to Roller Derby. You spell it the way a cyclist would: R O U L E U R Derby dot com, and you can bet your f- internet reputation on um, paramutual style betting that our good friend Luke. Has been running for years. Took a little bit of a hiatus. It came back, and I love it. I check it out all the time. Um, we'll talk about my successes. Uh, Spencer, roller derby update. I'm sure you want to tell us how well you're doing. Oh, I don't think I need to. I think it'll get blasted out in the email this week uh, from Luke and roller <laughs> derby, actually, for the biggest oh. points winners. Modesty. Modesty. Wow. <laughs> uh, Modesty you know, I don't, gets I don't us like everywhere. I toot my own horn, but... Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, the, the bonus points as a wide angle podium donor that you get at Roller Derby really do go a long way. Um, so that's uh, an awesome perk. Uh, you also get a couple of bonus episodes from the Slow Ride podcast from a few years back that are interesting. Some of our backstory, <laughs> some other goofball stuff that we've done. So that is a, another reason to sign up to become a donor. And hopefully we're going to have some other fun stuff coming this year. So. Yeah. And that's right. And you can also check us out on the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel. And finally, two other quick returning sponsors we love to talk about. Of course, Grimper Brothers with their amazing two blends. Um, Hello Cyclocross Friends and Listener Mail. You can check those out by going to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee. And I was doing a lot of riding this weekend, and it was fantastic (laughs) because I was using Florida-owned homemade here in Tallahassee, Florida, Buckler Skincare. 
in their premium Miracle Wrap chamois cream. Check it out. We've gotten several emails from listeners who have bought it for family members as gifts and friends. BucklerSkincare.com. And go ahead and grab a tub of the Miracle Wrap chamois cream. And with that, let's get back to the show. My name is Matthew Vanderpool, and I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. All right, guys, here we are. We've got some listener emails, but first, I think I want to check in with the hashtag AskSlowRide. This one comes Ooh. to us from Pedal Apocalypse. Hey, Slow Ride Pod. Why is Torino so much better than Paris Nice? Can you name at least two reasons? Are they both cyclocross riders, or is it because Torino has both bad guys? Oh, this is mm. a good question. And I think the obvious answer is the Trident um, is why it's better. It's by far yeah. the better trophy, and it's not an ASO race. I like to kind of you know mix it up. But the question here is: it because they have Wout Van Aert and Matthew Vanderpool, the cyclocross riders, or both bad guys who we don't really even want to talk about? <laughs> Well, so initially, I thought this question was more bigger scope than just the 2021 editions. And I was like, you know, it hasn't always been the case that Torino has been the better race between the two. Because mm. as a little guy I can attest to, Torino used to just be a bunch of sprint stages. Yep. And um, Paris-Nice was the one that all the climbers went to. So you had all the, the climbing half of the peloton went to Paris-Nice. And the sprinty half of the peloton went to Torino. And if you liked one or the other, you just didn't have to care about the other race at all. But Torino has been really up in their game. And I feel like Paranese has, um, you know, been dealing with some rough waters for the last few years. But uh, this year, I think they're both in peak form, much like Matthew Vanderpool and Walt Van Aert. I, I think you're right. I think my I think it, thought is that. Torino is doing better. They've had to make mm -hmm. the course a little more interesting in the last many years, but also it's because of Strada. It's it's because it's mm. just the day before, and that really draws a lot of riders that would have done Pyrenees in the past. And, and then it, I wonder if it's point. also with is there some protocols still in place with the pandemic that you can't do too much of the travel across from yeah. Strada well, it'd be, to... Yeah, it'd be really hard to do Strada and make it to Perinese. You know, it starts the next yeah. day. So it... and, and it's so much easier. So if you do Strada and all the best classics riders do it now, basically, mm -hmm. other than a few mm -hmm. of the bigger dudes who know that they're, they're, they're not going to make it. So I just want to point out for the record, I assumed he was talking as a bad, about a bad rider, Gianni Moscone. And then not, not, not on the not not there, right? And then I was like, who is like who are the bad guys? And then I was like, oh, he's thinking Alaphilippe. Yeah, you know, like just to be clear, Alaphilippe's a bad guy, not at the level of a Moscone. Just no. just so everyone's clear, you know, he, but Alaphilippe's the one that's gonna like you know, maybe Our, take the last yeah. beer from your fridge. He's like, he's like, you know, he's going to steal your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you know, like he's not like he, yeah. he's driving the fast car in the left lane, you know, in the slow lane. Right. He, he's there's, not, he's not, there's 
there's a bad racist. guy. <laughs> like, just well, to be clear. There's, there's cycling villain, and then there's yeah. bad guy. Like, bad guy yeah. is bad guy. Yeah. Cycling villain is fun yeah. bad guy. Yeah, he's yeah, the heel. He's the just... guy I want to boo, and if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able right. to celebrate Matthew Vanderpool's dominance. Yeah, if you want to anyway. know, just go find that picture from stage two of Torino where, where Alaphilippe wins and Vanderpool's looking defeated. And the look on Alaphilippe's face is one of the greatest mm-hmm. cycling villain faces. Not it's a, a bad it's guy. It's a villain face. That's but right. it's such a good villain look. of The satisfaction on his face that he won is so, it's peak villain. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Like you want to boo him. You know, that's the goal here. It's not that you want him to not do what, like, to have a flat tire. Like, you, like you, you, I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's a nuance, but it's something I just want. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, good versus evil. Speaking of good versus evil, this email comes to us from Stephen Carter. Hey, fellas, thanks for reminding me about Simmons. I went back to watch the flat and crash. Good stuff. Eh, you know, I don't think any of us <laughs> like crashing, but. Um, I noticed that uh, y'all spend a lot of time talking bad guys and good guys and not much love for the women. The finish of the women's Strata Bianca was race was a perfect setup. SD works yes. was clearly evil. Chantel attacks, Elisa <laughs> bridged, and then Chantel just sat on. I've heard this was tactical, but it just seemed greedy. They had plenty <laughs> of riders behind, which they used to claim third. Anyway, goes, just thought man. the ladies could use some good versus evil banter as well this is true this is very astute there's been a very different dynamic in the women's peloton for a few years now with sd works this year bulls doman prior they have always been a little bit of the borg like Mm -hmm. the the giant entity that everyone knows is there and has to deal with before they can fight amongst themselves for any kind of wins (laughs) it is it makes every race very interesting like how is the entire peloton gonna deal with bulls dolman or sd works yeah i just for the record little guy on the good the good woman bad woman on cyclocross he's become a fan of uh betsima huge fan huge fan arguably not the most not the most popular female cyclocross racer for various pharmaceutical mishaps so little guy do you have in your fandom is there a are you just you looking at it for teams on the women's side? Like you're just like SD works. You know what? I just don't want them to win, and then everybody else is you know, no, are the the baby faces in this uh, thing, and uh, SD works is the heels. They're the SD, villains. SD works does have a bit of a quick step vibe in that way. Of you sort of expect they'll win, and no matter who they get in the move, you're like ah, they could win. And it's a little, it's a little frustrating, you know. I mean, quick step wins with everyone. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, oh, they got their fourth string option in there. They'll win, and you kind of get a little frustrated by it. But that's, that's I, I like that, you know. I like the, the, sh- <laughs> as much as it's frustrating. I mean, I love when they, you got a rider up the road and you got a rider behind and you just shake in the head and it's like it's infuriating mm-hmm. and you can feel the oh. anger of that other rider, but they know it, they understand it. Sometimes they get a little heated yeah. because I'm sure you're up there and you're thinking this is my one chance to maybe win this race and you look behind you and it's an SD Works rider and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get effed over. So here. in this so. in this situation yeah. then, so if SD, <laughs> yeah, I just 
I guess the SD works has to just naturally fall into the, the villain, the villainy because they are the favorites. Yeah. And sometimes it is good for the underdogs, but then is, you know, there's only riders on that team. There's only seven teams in the women's Mm -hmm. top level. Um, you know, so you're kind of, you know, Movistar, uh, Trek is a solid team. They, they, I mean, they seem to have amazing women that donate the crowdsourced the, money to other women's cycling. Like, I don't know. Right. That's a pretty good thing to do. Yeah. Like, here's your baby face move right now. Or Trek, you win, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, much much like Philippe on the men's side, SD Works on the women's side is they're the, the villain. They're the, the fun villain to have, like somebody to like see how they're going to get beat or if somebody can beat them to root against, you know? And the women's side does have a, an actual bad woman as well over there on the Canyon tram team, unfortunately. So, you know, along the lines of a uh, Trex problem, Canyon has their own problems and hopefully they can sort this all out. Yeah. On the Trek side, I think that they're, they're the ultimate baby faces here. And I just want to, because my son walks around in a U S national championship Jersey, takes it to school and I put the photo mm-hmm. up, and uh, U.S. Road um, National Champion uh, Ruth Winder liked it, and I was like, "Oh, yay! That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, you're my favorite now." You know, <laughs> like I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> like, you know, I'm always gonna cheer the the Stars and Stripes now uh, off the front of a race. Uh, it's great to see. So that then uh, leads us into final email. This one comes to us from friend of the pod Casey Harmon, aka Oregon Crit Pack Fodder. Gents, love the show. Keep it up. I was listening to episode 306, in which you ranked Lachlan Morton's dad first in the Morton Contador <laughs> kerfuffle. Um, it's wow, a while ago. This was I was this was a long time ago. Was this during peak pandemic when Lachlan Morton was going for the remember Everest thing? Remember when Everest thing was yeah. a thing? And Lachlan yeah. Morton failed to actually Everest. It yeah. was like two hundred feet short yeah. because you know, yeah. people started investigating you know, the climb. I haven't seen any cycling publications running any articles about Everesting lately, so mm. I, don't, yeah. I don't know if it's still a we thing. We better get uh, on that, that before it comes back. Just try to corner the market. So yeah. he, um, his dad, just a reminder, was out there giving the water bottles and keeping time, and he had to do it twice <laughs> because Lachlan Morton had to go back <laughs> out there to do it again, to which point yeah. some Australian guy now had like took you know 45 minutes off that record. I mean, it's been just ridiculous as it's going through um so anyways you also ranked trucks to draft behind so i think we were talking maybe dump trucks maybe um being the worst because debris could fly off semi trucks you know from like breaking away but unmentioned Mm -hmm. was the boxiest of all the ups or fedex truck that has it has that great combo of never going too fast and a full flat back wind um, eddies that suck you along. Mm-hmm. The only mm-hmm. cautionary tale is my father, who used to be six four. He trapped a FedEx truck downhill, and now he's six one on a good day. And he was well acquainted with several hospitals in the Williamette Valley. Yeah. That sounds horrible. That so sounds I hope really your yeah. hope your father's good. I will say just an update on the you know a classic box truck. Um, I was riding behind a box truck here in Orlando. And on the back of it was a local bike shop racing team sticker on the back of the box truck. 
perfect eye level from um, where you would be if like where I was. I was riding my bike behind this truck and I look up and it was like Rotten Riders is the team name. So mm-hmm. some rider put it there knowing that everyone's going to want to be behind a box truck such as this. And it was like a local, <laughs> it's like a local, uh, you know, um, bakery box truck that's on the roads. Nice. And you're like, oh, Interesting. that's actually well done. I, I respect that. Yeah, that's good. Well, the, the, the other benefit to the UPS truck, you know, is it's got those really handy, um, uh, like, railings yeah. on the side, like uh, handles, if mm-hmm. you will. You know, so if you need a little sticky bottle from the old UPS man, <laughs> it's no problem. That's true. Those are helpful. I don't recommend it. Don't, <laughs> yeah, do, don't it. do it. That's unsafe. Anyway. Well, gentlemen, it is that time of year when it is the greatest final 30 kilometers in sport. Right around the corner yes. is Milan San Remo. The, it seems like yesterday we were talking about Milan San Remo, that there is that long, long five-hour buildup. You don't even need to watch the race. Go out, go for a bike ride. Just come home mm-hmm. for when they're hitting the Chipressa. Because, mm-hmm. as we've talked many times before, you hit the Chipressa, you go across the Scarponi Bridge to the foot of the Poggio, and then the craziest descent in all of sports, and you finish the race in San Remo. Roller Derby is here with some of our greatest propositions are always there. Who's going to be the first team over the Poggio? Will a breakaway make it to the finish line? There's so much awesomeness in this race. Gentlemen, how excited are you for Milan San Remo? And who are your picks to win the race? Well, I'm very excited. I have, I have a... You sound, you sound so no, excited. I'm going to sell it. I'm going <laughs> to lay out the theory. Bring the okay. heat. Okay. I'm so excited. So excited. Okay. Right, here, I got a theory. Ra- or a, a proposition. Rather than us throwing out just random picks, I think we've actually already seen three the three humanly possible scenarios for how this race will play out uh, mm-hmm. simulated okay. for us. Wow. Stage one, stage two, and stage three of Torino have given oh, us wow. the three it's possible like- winners. I think so. Let me let me tell you about this, and I think we can each we should each. Tell which one we think will be. So, so you're one, saying Torino? Torino is basically the Paris Nice to the Tour. It's yeah, Torino is the, you the know, fir- is to the I, I, I think I, I think what little guy's saying is he built a supercomputer. Yeah, it's called Torino. He's plugged in all the data, and he's run the results. And these are the only three possible outcomes. These are, these are the three. Yeah, they they ran the simulation three times. The first stage they uh-huh. came out with a simulation of Wout. Uh, Caleb Ewan and Gaviria. That's okay. a definite possibility. Second stage, they ran it again. You got Alaphilippe, Vanderpool, Wout. Now, that's a very likely scenario. Uh-huh. And then stage three, you got the Vanderpool, Wout, Ballerini. Now, outside of all those riders, I kind of almost can't see anybody being on the podium. So I think that is... Those are your three options. I think that's it. I, who else is going to crack so Wout- into that? Alaphilippe or Vanderpool, and then you might get a 
Michael Matthews getting a third. You might get a Bettini. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no, no. That's not what Ballerini. he said. The supercomputer doesn't lie. Ballerini, Caleb Ewan, or Gaviria. You do, you've got the option of the super, the oh, total sprinter okay. stage, which was stage one, where it was all sprinters. Stage two, where it's But that the was more when Matthew sprinters. Vanderpool let out his teammate, right? Uh, no, I think he, I mean, he just kind of messed it up a little bit. He came from too far back on stage two. I... If neither of you are going to go first, I know which one Wait, I think but, I'm going to yeah, choose. But stage one, just to be clear, you're saying he just kind of messed it up. Vanderpool got 77th place in stage one of Torino Adriatico on the sprint yeah, stage. Yeah. Okay. yeah, no, I was saying he, he, messed gonna... up, he messed up stage two. He came from two bar back in stage two. I'm just saying will, these are okay. the three options. These are your okay. three options. There's no other options. These are your three options. Spencer, you go ahead um, and with, with what you think is going to happen. And then I'll tell you what will happen. And then little guy will tell us the computer output. I, I don't see a way in which it's not option number three, Vanderpool, Wad Van Aert, Ballerini. I think of those three simulations, that's my gut instinct. Okay. I think that's, I think that, yeah. Uh, I, I am I am a hundred percent with Spencer on number oh, three, just because whoa. Matthew Vanderpool is winning this thing. Like it, it doesn't matter how it happens. I don't know if he's gonna attack on the Trapresa after today. Shots fired. He won from fifty two k out. Might as well do it from thirty. The watts that he's gonna put down on the Poggio climb. Caleb Ewing, see you later. You're off the back, right? Like there's no, <laughs> there's no sprinter that's uh-huh. gonna be able to go. So then you're like, it's Wout Alaphilippe. Uh, Vanderpool and some of these other guys that you kind of throw into the mix, but it's really between Wout and Vanderpool, <laughs> and we know how that ends up because <laughs> we watch I mean, cyclocross. Al- you know what I mean? Like Philippe has been there uh, on the line throwing a bike with with Sagan and Kiwakowski famously, and all these other um, finishes there. I wouldn't count him out. I wouldn't say it's a you know a done deal. I think one of these three simula- I think little guy's onto something. This is clearly a glitch in the matrix, and we have seen the three <laughs> possible si- yeah. but situations, and we just need to decide which one's right. And really, you don't think Strada could any be one a, of them could be Strada Bianchi, Bianca also couldn't no. be like a predecessor for the simulation it's, just because of Bernal. Uh, I do not see Bernal no. making it to the finish, but I I would be with you guys. I would say the third stage the the Vanderpool Wout Ballerini is the most likely as well because okay. I think Alphalib's got to be if, on team duty he doesn't want to admit it but he yeah. has to be it's the only way they have a chance I think yeah so if we're all in agreement that the third Torino uh simulation is Milan San Remo what's the second most likely scenario stage one or stage two I think unfortunately stage one two. where Matthew Vanderpool totally yeah. No, Matthew Vanderpool totally <laughs> overblows the situation because because uh-huh. as we discussed, he goes deeper than any other rider, and when yeah. he when he blows, he blows like it's like he's <laughs> he's out. He's finishing seven. He's not even finishing. You know, he's turning around in the tunnel that uh, to go back to to Milan. Uh, so, little guy, you seem to have a differing opinion. Well, I was thinking also he kind of messes it up. Uh, stage two, I think he seemed, of Torino, he seemed a little too cocky in just his placement. He was too mm-hmm. far back. He was coming fast in that sprint. He just ran out of room. He just left it way too late. And I I can see 
that almost happening. But so, so it's going to be a thing, small group, though, right? The, well, the thing I don't know, and I probably should know about Vanderpool, is how does he descend compared to everybody else? Like, I know he's a, a great bike rider. Like, I know he descends fine, but like on a super tight, super technical do or die descent like mm-hmm. that, can he hang with dudes that we know? Can take it yeah, to the line. Here's feeding red meat to the to the fans here of Cyclocross Radio and all of us, Spencer. Come on. <laughs> He's gonna be the best descender of all time by the time his career's done. It's possible. Okay. Al Philippe is a good descender. Know. If they go if, a, what's El Falco and Belgian? Three of them over the top together solo, that would be I mean, that would be here's the thing the dream though. scenario. But is the dream, yes, that would be an amazing thing. Spencer, solid shout on Vanderpool's descent skills because it is important. If he gets stuck in the cars with a flat tire, um, Alaphilippe's out there. No, he's no, got no, he's I'm got Natasha on the side of the road throwing the the tax, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, so he gets a, a nice uh, flat tire. I just uh-huh. and then uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, anyway, so Matthew Vanderpool will win any sprint that is like. 20 or less riders if he's in there where he failed in stage one is he misplaced you know he'd let out a rider he was in different spots for stage two if it is a smaller uh-huh. group coming across from the poggio there he can win the sprint from the front it doesn't matter it's possible he's wow, it's it. pretty fast on the drag strip though i don't know you yeah know, i think i don't know what to think man I'm excited. Matthew Vanderpool is going to sweep all of the classics. Now, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's possible. All right. It's possible. Now, Tim, have you been uh, checking out Matthew's Strava account? Do you know, has he been putting in the 300K that he needs <laughs> from Milan San Remo? Because this is going to be another factor uh, of of which I don't know. I assume that he could do plenty of hours in the saddle, but who knows? That's true. I don't. You know what I was just thinking of? I think he can do the distance. You know, stage five today where he went solo was on a circuit. And I just Uh remember this. This was on a circuit. And they announced, I think, last week that Amstel is going to be on a circuit this year. And no fans. Mm. I think stage five today, everyone's saying that, you know, just going big pre-Milan San Irma. I think this was just a, this was an Amstel gold test race for him. He's like, what's it like to do a circuit with a steep race? I'm just going to do a test for that today. So that's what he's going to do when he wins yeah. that classic. I'll call that shot right now. That's like six weeks out. but I see. I see what you're saying. Uh, and this is re... I am now coming up with the earlier part of the simulation, I think. I might need to change my answer. Oh, whoa. Okay. okay. So I'm thinking you're onto something. Vanderpool goes early. He thinks he can't risk it to wait until the line he goes on the chipressa attempts the solo scarponi bridge don't it's beautiful everything everything is right in the world he goes up the poggio he gets caught maybe on the descent or on the flat directly after and it is Wout van art victorious over caleb Ewan and fernando gaviria (laughs) For a stage one Torino simulation victory. You know, I would almost rather watch How that. How do you feel about Even that? Even though I want Vanderpool to win, I would almost rather watch that. I would almost rather 
believe that someone could make the Scarponi Bridge into a win. You know, I, I want to live in that world. So let me live there for at least yeah. 20K or whatever. That sounds good. Is there any opportunity oh. for Damer to be on the podium? <laughs> no, there's no opportunity. No. I mean, he's, no, the form's not there, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I mean, he's been doing fine, but yeah. I don't think he's at the level. It's, he could surprise me, but I doubt it's it. It's got to be frustrating because I bet there's some guy we're not thinking of who's who's looking at his numbers and looking at the power meters, talking <laughs> to the coach. He's like, this is the biggest numbers I've ever put out. These are world-class numbers. I know <laughs> the numbers that Demare put out when he won it, and these are better than that. And he's like finishing eighth in these Torino sprints against them. And he's yeah. just like, there's no way. It's just this This has to feel what it's like when I think I was, I was flying and like I'd – I'd try to I try to follow Doug back in the day or something. It just wouldn't happen. It'd be like it'll never happen. This is never happen. You're just you're hitting a wall. All right. Well, I like this supercomputer idea. I think we're near universal agreement that Matthew Vanderpool is on his way to the greatest season in the history of cycling as he wins all of the classics. Mm-hmm. He then goes on to mm-hmm. win a couple stages of his the Grand Tour. Um, at which point he leaves early to then go win the gold medal against arguably the greatest mountain biker of all time, Nino Schurter, um, and then goes on to win Cyclocross World Championship again um, in Fayetteville. So that's that. That's that. Final Milan San Remo rundown. One of the classics that we've had in the past is will it come down to a sprint, a group sprint? Because will there be a breakaway of three or less riders that makes it to the finish and is over like five seconds clear? What do you guys think? What's the how many people will be in that final group across the finish line within one second of the of the winner? Six. All right. Is it four? four? It's a small group, so definitely a Matthew Vanderpool win. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I mean, guys, I think we're ready for Milan San Remo. Can't wait to watch it. Can't wait to watch the Poggio. I have all my tweets from the last 14 years of being on Twitter queued up and ready to go with when, <laughs> you know, the Poggio sign. I just yeah. love the sign that just says the Poggio. Like, it's the greatest moment in all of sports. And I oh, I just love that final 30K. And maybe we will see Matthew Vanderpool do the impossible of winning on the Scarponi Bridge. Be still my so, beating heart. With that, I think that's just another great episode of the slow ride podcast. And we'd like to thank all the listeners and supporters of the wide angle podium network, head over to wideanglepodium.com to find out more and listen to the great family of shows. We'd also like to thank Grimper brothers for their continued support by going to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee and bucklerskincare.com for making the miracle wrap chamois cream. Remember the tingle is the miracle. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Vanderpool, Wad Van Art, 
Ballerini. The computer output. My gut instinct. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds, but we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Criterium Nation. 